What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Swamp Gas Podcast. My name is Don. This is... What's going on, guys? Bruce, back at you. Here we look at everything that is weird and does not pass the sniff test. So... So many things don't. So many things don't. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> and this big old schnoz I got. So, uh, so what has been up with you, buddy? What have you... Uh... What have you been up to the last couple of days since we talked last? You know what? This past week, I did my first maple syrup cook this year. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Nice. How many trees you got uh, tapped? Mm. I only have five taps, so okay. I can only tap five trees. But it cra- it's been a weird year dude. when it comes to that. It's been it's- a weird year for a lot of reasons, weather-wise. I I tapped my maple trees earlier than I ever have because it's been such a weird winter. I got more sap than I ever have in such a short period of time. Hmm. It's turning out. I thought it was going to be a horrible maple syrup year. It's turning out to be an awesome maple syrup. Oh, wow, dude. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. People who don't know this, people who aren't in the maple syrup business, it can turn on a dime. Yeah. It, it can switch like a flipping a switch. It can literally flip a switch. But Mm-mm. thus far, things are going great. I've already burned off 50 some odd gallons out of five trees in like two weeks. Wow. I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that all day. No, I'll take a bottle when it's ready, man. I can't wait. Dude, I got something for you. I got something for you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What you been up to, man? Oh, dude, I, not too much, man. Just living, living my life, working, same old, same old, man. Trying to make this world a, a creepier place. No, but um, so no, speaking of uh, speaking of the weather, speaking of the weather, I don't know what you've uh, you know what's come across your neck of the woods as far as current events, but I have come across something that's a little troubling, and I'd really like to hear your opinion on it. So, because there's a lot of explanations that have been said. But we also know that, um, oh gosh, it was in uh, uh, the, uh, the the train derailment that happened a few weeks back, and they were mm-hmm. going to be bringing a lot of the hazardous materials up to Michigan, and said so they dumped a little bit here and there, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, a lot of people are reporting um, in multiple lakes around here of just dozens, if not hundreds, of dead fish that are just washed ashore. Like. Really? All over the shoreline. It's really fascinating. So my mind obviously goes to, you know, the train derailment and all that, all that crap that they were giving us. But there was a lot of people that were saying, no, this happens every year when the weather changes and the weather again, the water gets warm suddenly. But I don't know, man, we haven't really had too much of like, a. now, like, I will be honest, like I live near a big lake and it's, um, I haven't seen that many ice fishermen out this year as they have in previous years it's been a weird winter for uh for that but sure definitely i'm not a um, fisherman man i don't know why why that would have happened but it seems very strange well i know up in my area they were supposed to have uh over on houghton lake which is i don't know hour from here um up around houghton lake they have this big ice fishing tournament I don't know if it's a tournament or if it's uh, just a ice fishing show or what. Tip ups. It's called tip ups. Okay. I know our buddy, our buddy Smitty goes there every oh, year. Oh, what's it's up, a Smitty? Big thing. He's all about it. Yeah. That's yeah, the only yeah. reason I even know about it because I'm not an ice fisherman. I don't. Right. I don't fuck around on ice in the winter. No, get out of here, dude. I'm. That's what. That's, I don't mind fishing, but I don't know if I was sitting in out in the lake, man. I'm good on that. Well, anyway, when it was happening this year. There was no ice on the lake, so it didn't happen, right? Right. It's been a really weird winter. So the fact that it's been a weird winter, there was a late freeze, an early thaw, everything's refrozen again. I could see dead fish coming up on lakes for, you know, completely natural reasons. Very, very possible. I'm not a biologist I, <laughs> by any fucking right. stretch of the imagination, but right. I could see there being natural explanations for 
seeing dead fish in your creek or in your lake or whatever. Uh, back in the day when I used to work for a the uh, the 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 parks a park yeah 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 a park we're not gonna name the park a no. park no 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 it wasn't a theme park there was, uh, there was one year that there was this uh uh virus that went around and affected all of the carp in wow. this entire river basin wow in this one year in this one summer we ended up having to pick up thousands oh, you're of kidding. dead carp that were just washed up on the beach. And I mean, on the beach, like literally on the beaches that people were trying to, you know, take their kids. Yeah. Along with, you know, all the hundreds of other miles of shoreline. Right. That, you know, people go fishing. People are trying to launch their kayaks or canoes. Yeah. Like thousands, dump truck loads of dead fish. And I mean, what they said was it was a uh, you know some just bacterial contamination or a virus that that only affected, affected it. It was the carp. carp though. It was only the carp. Bass weren't affected. Pike weren't affected. There's there's lots of different fish in that lake. Yeah, I can verify that for sure. And it was all the carp that was coming up. So yeah, bro, that's, again, that's... I'm not a biologist. I don't know. That sounds fishy to me. But, I mean, us as, you know, 20-some-year-old, you know, just grounds maintenance workers tasked with the job of picking up dead fish off the beach made a show of chucking the giant fish into dump trucks. Yeah, carp carp's not a little fish. It's not a goldfish. I mean, you just get the job done. It it is what it is, but it, there's nothing glorious about it in any stretch. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, weird, no man. Olympic games for I, I don't know what to make out of that. Yeah, it was strange. It was strange, but yeah, like you said, not a biologist, neither am I. Clearly, so I don't know, but it's definitely weird. And I would say it doesn't pass the sniff test because it's dead fish. It does not pass the sniff test. <laughs> So what else doesn't pass the sniff test? What are we talking about today? Today, oh man, I can't wait. I can. All right, you you sent me this article on this guy from the 1920s, and I had a great time. I had a great time listening to his story. So his name was I what Albert story, Osman, man. and uh, he was. <laughs> I don't want to tell the whole story. I'll let you get into a lot of it. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to talk about aliens today. We're not going to talk about ghosts. We're not even going to talk about demons today. What we're going to talk about is the legendary Bigfoot. Yeah, and I'm going to let Don into... take over from here. I'm going to let you take the I'm going to let you take the reins on this one, buddy. But this All old right, prospector <laughs> found himself Go, go in ahead, a give world me a rundown. Give me a quick synopsis. Okay, what happened for sure. So we got this uh we got this old prospector out in the 1920s and uh <laughs> I'll let Don get into the details, but he finds himself kidnapped, runs himself unconscious and wakes up kidnapped by a family of Bigfoot, Big Feet, uh, Sasquatches. And uh, there's there's a, a Harry, like a Harry and the Hendersons. There, there's there's one, there's a dad, you know, there's a, the, the gigantic alpha, Alpha chimp? I don't, know, I don't even know what you call him. But uh, uh, alpha male, I guess. I mean, but uh, there you go. So, um, and then he had his wife, and there's two kids. There's like a boy and a girl. So, um, and he ends up staying their prisoner, I guess you could say, for six days, surviving off of you know his rations and what he's got, and you know. And uh, for those six days, he witnesses a lot of very strange behaviors. And I think that we get a lot of the the lingo that we joke around and we pretend that Bigfoot sounds like and says. I think we get a lot of that from his story because uh, it's, a, it's a very early story. The story is almost 100 years old. And how many stories of Bigfoot can anyone tell that's over 100 years old? I'll wait. I mean, of course, there's like the... You know, everyone's heard about like the, you know, the gigantopithecus that was found in the, uh, you know, the, the teeth or whatever that was found in like, 
I forget what what foreign uh, country it was, but um, not not to mention Native American stories. Sure, that, sure, know, sure. But this is this is, a, this is another this is a firsthand a firsthand account um, that's in that was in you know, the 19th century or 20th century or whatever this this past century, and it um it's uh it's fascinating. It's really fascinating how he escapes if he escapes. Does he escape? I don't know. You might have to stay tuned and find out. But um, I'll let Don take it over from here. All right. Well, now I know that you didn't finish the story because he absolutely does escape. Of course I know. Of course I know. Of course I know. He escapes because he's able to tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. All right. I, I didn't want to spoil how he escaped. That's the thing, because how he escapes is oh, nothing short of suspense. genius. That's that's creative. I, I like that. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one thing before we do get into this, I do want to ask you. Yeah. What is the plural for Bigfoot? Dude, that is a good is question. Big, is it big feet or is it Bigfoots? <laughs> You know what? I got to be honest. I've been struggling I hate with this for a the while. Bigfoot. There, there's. You'll never get like Sasquatch. It should have stayed at Sasquatch. But the reason, like, and here's the thing: out of all cryptozoology, I think it's arguable that there's more evidence of Sasquatch or a Bigfoot than there is of almost any other ones. So, but it still is the most laughed at because they're called Bigfoot. Yes. Which is why I prefer Sasquatch myself. No, for sure, for sure. But if we are going to use the nomiker of Bigfoot, I do prefer the plural Bigfoots. Bigfoots? Yeah, over big feet. <laughs> myself, I, like, I, I like to think of them as a family, and they're like the Big Feet family, you know? Or maybe they are the Bigfoots. You know, maybe I could see that on a mailbox, the Bigfoots, like an old yeah, like 1950s foot. sitcom. He just like walks through the door with like a disheveled tie and a briefcase. He's like, puts his briefcase on the thing. That's how this whole story plays out. It's a slapstick (laughs) fucking comedic story. This is honestly, out of all the Sasquatch stories, this has got to be one of the funniest that I've ever heard. Did I say, did I not say you would get a kick out of it? You did. You did. This is one of the funniest. Bigfoot stories I've ever heard. <laughs> Let's all put right, it this so, way. Bigfoot likes his tobacco. That's all I'm going to preface with saying. Before we get too lost down rabbit holes, we, we need to dive into the story because yes. it is a lengthy one. Yes, it is. All right. So the year is 1924, right? This guy named uh, Albert Ostman. Uh He's a construction worker. He's a logger. He's he's a, a, a just a vagrant laborer, right? He's a guy that, that like this is what he does. He just travels around for work. He does. He's done a little gold mining. He's done a little. He's done a little bit of everything. He's a Swedish national. Uh, they are prone to Canada, especially during the time. Right, lots of Swedes in the area, the Pacific North, North, Northwest. Um, now what I, I have his entire account here, and it comes out to seventeen pages. And as much as I'd love to just read the entire right. to everybody, <laughs> that's not going to work for us. Yeah, so, no, no, no. We'll lose. We're gonna, this isn't reading Rainbow. We'll lose a lot of yeah. You. Um, I will absolutely post this entire his entire account as recorded by uh, John Green, famous Bigfoot researcher uh, from back in the day. To be fair, John Green seems a little bit crazy today, but he took this account in I want to say 1971, like so a long time, roughly ago. 50 years removed from the event. Well, roughly 50 years removed from today. And 
Well, and the event, and if 50, the event happened 50, in the yes. 1920s. And you're right. And 50 years removed from the event. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So we do have um, to take that into account that we're getting the story from a 70-year-old man. Let's see. All right. Now, at I least, at least a 70-year-old man. All right. I'm not going to try to do math on the air here. To but... be clear, folks, I'm not saying that 70-year-olds don't know what they're talking about. I'm not saying that 70-year-olds are going to get things wrong. I realized when I said that it kind of sounded that way, but I am saying that if unless he wrote this thing down, I'm going to be the skeptic right now because unless he wrote this thing down immediately and he's retelling this uh, John guy, the story written down, I'll put it this way. I mean, and you can attest that there's been a lot of really wild events that, uh, that you and I have been a part of together. So we'll just talk about that for a second that you and I have been a part of together, uh, working different uh, security jobs and things like that. And I got to be honest with you. I'm, I would have a hard time remembering everything three years removed, four years removed from the case. Oh, absolutely. You know, adrenaline, for those of you that don't know, adrenaline is, is like one of the craziest things that your body can produce. And it affects a lot of things. It can affect your memory. It affects your body. There's, there's so many different things that adrenaline and, and in the story, as we get into it, I think that a lot of, Oh, how am I trying to put this? I think that a lot of a lot of things way. can be explained through him experiencing a huge jolt of adrenaline when this happened. You and I have been through many, many, many encounters in the nightclub security business, right? Yes, sir. We have talked 10 minutes after an event happened, and you come and talk to me like, yeah, when you flip that guy over the couch over there, I'm like, dude, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember. I remember now. Now that yeah. you told me. Yeah, I, do. I remember doing that and now. I, and it's so funny because I remember I that. I didn't remember that like two minutes yesterday. ago. <laughs> I remember turning my head in the middle of heaven. I mean, there was, there was probably six of us against probably 15. I mean, and I'm probably being generous. Um, I'm probably not being generous is what I'm trying to say. But um, and I remember turning my shoulder and seeing you having a guy. You grabbed him by the back. Uh, you had him like in a. You had him by the back of the head, back of the neck, and uh, you flipped that. You flipped that dude directly over the couch. <laughs> I remember seeing you turn and flip him, and I just remember uh, like no. stopping for a second and being like, "Dang! All right, all right, we're going. No, we're going. We're still going." But I, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. There was a couple times that um. I remember, I'm not going to drop any names, but our, our guards, and this is after you had, uh, after you had left it, they're like, man, Bruce, when I saw you outside with your head, just your hands beating that guy's head into the ground, I was like, what, what are you talking about? I was like, I was on top of it, but I, I, wasn't, do that. I wasn't beating anyone's head into the ground. Like that, that didn't happen, buddy. Like, but that adrenaline kicks, it kicks everyone. It really does. It, it really, really does. Adrenaline is absolutely a thing. And honestly, I mean, I, I probably would have cut you, off, cut you off a while ago if I didn't think that uh, that doesn't come into play here. Absolutely. But I absolutely think that it does because, um, I mean, I, we're almost 20 minutes in here now. Like, we got to get started. But do it. I feel I have like. I to flip my phone this way. My phone's dying. You good? Yeah, I'm good. You're like sideways. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> So anyway, I, I think the adrenaline part does come into play quite a bit because I do think there are bits of this story that have been embellished, maybe. But when it comes down to it, I believe the man's story. I want I'm to. Off the, I'm not trying to get off the fence yet. We, we need to get into it. Let's go. Hop in. All right. So it's 1924, right? It's the... Uh, summertime, 1924. Albert Osman, he's uh, a construction worker, a logger. Again, 1924. This is back when men were fucking men, right? The hard people. Like we're talking post World War One, long before World War Two. Absolutely. Like, we're talking about loggers going out there and felling trees with handsaws mm-hmm. and. 
I mean, dragging six-foot-wide trees through the brush with fucking donkeys and dropping them in the river for a tugboat. Absolutely. This is old-school people. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I, now that I think about it, one of the only things that I have to share here is... Here is a picture uh, from 1971. This here is John Green, the guy who took the man's account. Do you see that all right? Yeah. Let me know. No, I, oh, yeah. And it's this, perfect. There's Albert Osman right here in 1971 as a, you know, 80-year-old man. Okay. So... Albert Hoffman decides he's going to take a uh, a little vacation trip during the summer in between his jobs. He wants to go look for this old mine up in British Columbia, up around Vancouver. Um, So he he goes to Vancouver, he gets a tugboat, goes up to the town of Lund where he gets himself an Indian guide. This Indian guy is going to take him up into the uh, the inlet. Now I'm forgetting the name, and I, you know, didn't actually put together some decent notes so that I know. <laughs> That's all right, um, buddy. But he's uh, he's talking to this Indian guy at the time. According to Albert Osman, he'd never heard of a Sasquatch before. He's he has no frame of reference of what this thing is. It, right here, verbatim from his account. At the time, I had never heard of a Sasquatch. So I asked what kind of animal he called a Sasquatch. The Indians said they have hair all over their bodies, but they are not animals. They are people, big people living in the mountains. My uncle saw the tracks of one that was two feet long. And one old Indian saw one that was over eight feet tall. I told the Indian, Osman, I told the Indian, I didn't believe in his old fables about mountain giants. It may have been some thousands of years ago, but not nowadays. The Indian said, they may not be many, but they do still exist. So this Indian takes him up. He's his guide. He hires the Indian as his guide. Takes him up into this inlet channel up around Vancouver Island, up past Lund, and uh, it's a uh, the Toba Inlet. See, hit me all of a sudden. The Toba <laughs> Inlet. Uh, they get there. He goes to. He, I'm gonna post this entire account so y'all can read it, but I'm not gonna go through it all here because we do not have the time. He uh he goes through his entire account of the shop that he went to, what he got from the shop, how accommodating the shopkeeper was, and everything that he got him. He goes through the Indian dropped him off, and he uh had this halfway decent campsite, that halfway decent campsite. He found a little bit of mineral here, a little bit of mineral there, nothing real promising. And then he gets to this exquisite campsite, like where you'd want to build your dream cabin, right? Like this place is awesome. And we're talking about 1924 campsites. So get your glamping mentality out of here. (laughs) He was really excited that he had two big trees that he wouldn't get rained on if it rained. And there was some spring water down a little ways. Mm -hmm. That makes an exquisite campsite. Absolutely. Um, so as he's, um, yeah, I gotta find my spot here. Here we go. So while he's at this exquisite campsite, everything's great. Life is good. It's got this awesome setup. He goes to bed at night, wakes up the next morning. A bunch of stuff's been moved around his camp. I mean, that's not unheard of in the woods. I've seen some raccoons get a little squirrely in a campground. Definitely. I should probably get that out of there. Um, 
he figures. Let's see if I can find. Uh, all right, here we go. Next morning, my pack sack had been emptied out. His, his pack mm-hmm. had been emptied out. Someone had turned the sack upside down. It was still hanging on the pole from the shoulder straps as I had hung it up. So he has it pole sticking into the rock with his pack hanging off of it. I'd, I'd imagine about shoulder height off the ground, right? Yeah. He doesn't exactly say it, but that's where Stands I would hang to reason. Pack, right? So something had tipped his pack up, dumped it on the ground, and left it hanging on the pole. I mean, that's kind of weird in itself. <laughs> um, then I noticed one half-pound package of prunes. He went through his entire grocery list that he got from the shopkeeper. He was missing a half pound of prunes, missing his pancake flour, but he noticed that uh, his salt bag wasn't touched. Now, Hmm. Bruce, you and I have had conversations lately. You know my pit bull has had now three run-ins with porcupines since I've been up here in northern Michigan. Oh, wow. Three of them, huh? Three run-ins with porcupines. That's getting old. I bet. Hold real quick. Now, Albert Osman figured what was screwing with the campsite was porcupines until he noticed that his salt bag wasn't touched. Porcupines love salt. Hmm. I didn't know that. Something I learned recently just because I happen to have a porcupine problem around here. Wow. He says right here, porcupines always look for salt, so I decided it must have been something other than porkies. Uh, I looked for tracks, but found none. I did not think it was a bear. They always tear up and make a mess out of everything. Yeah. His shit was not torn up. It was just dumped out of his pack. Anyway, this went on for a couple of days. This kind of mischief nonsense. Like yeah, people just, some, something just messing with him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Until, so this went on for like three days. And on that third night, um, he said, this night it was cloudy. It looked like it might rain. Uh, I took special notice of how everything was arranged. I closed up my pack. I did not undress. I took off only my shoes and put them in the bottom of my sleeping bag. I drove my prospecting pick into uh, the nearby tree so that I could reach it. And he put his rifle alongside him inside his sleeping bag, fully intended to stay awake all night to find out what the hell was fucking with his camp. And, of course, what happened? He fell asleep. (laughs) Happens to all of us, right? Now it gets crazy. I was awakened by something picking me up. I was half asleep, and at first, I did not remember where I was. As I began to get my wits together, I remembered I was on this prospecting trip in my sleeping bag. My first thought was, it must be a snow slide, an avalanche, right? Except there was no snow around his camp. Um, it said it felt like he was tossed on horseback, that he was mm. and walking. You could feel whatever it was, was walking. Uh, so, what? imagine yourself sleeping in your camp, in your sleeping bag, and something just snatches up your sleeping bag, throws it over their back, and just starts hoofing. Hmm. Yeah. For what he estimates, about three hours of being huffed around like that. He said it was so hot in that damn sleeping bag, he thought he was going to choke to death. If it wasn't for the little little pocket of window that let some fucking air into the thing, he thought yeah. he was going to die in there. Anyway, they carried him on. He can feel himself being hooked uphill, downhill, uphill. For 
he estimates about three hours. Obviously, he doesn't know what time he got woken up. Right, right. He got woken up. Um, Couldn't track his steps. Yeah, and obviously he has no idea what direction he's going. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but something, he's sleeping at night, and something picks up his sleeping bag with him and his rifle and half <clears> of his <throat> shit in it, throws it over his shoulder, and just starts dragging him along. Oh, man, let's see. Nope, I went too far. I got to come back. Uh, finally, he stopped. It let me down. He then dropped my pack set. I could hear the cans rattling. Uh, he could hear chattering. Some kind of talk he couldn't understand. Uh, the ground was sloping, so when he was dropped out of the sleeping bag, he rolled over head first. Dropped his head out of the bag. Looks up. What the fuck are these things? Again, it's still dark. Uh, he, he manages to get his boots back on his feet. His legs are numb. He can't stand up. Uh, his foot is killing him because his, uh, his, uh, cleated boots, he calls them hobnail boots, which are basically just cleats. Right. right? Like logging boots. They were digging into the top of his foot the whole time. He was getting dragged along. Again, these details. The details that he puts in this story is incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It makes me sense. It, 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 I don't mean to cut you off, but like it, it, what I had said earlier, either he wrote this thing down or I have a hard time believe he had to have written all of this stuff down when he was done. Because the, the details, like you said, the devil's in the details, man. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, he says that they uh, they dropped him down. He rolled over out of his sleeping bag. Uh, he, thank God he could get some air. He can actually stretch his leg because his legs are numb. He can't stand up. His his one foot's killed him because it's been sitting on a cleat for the last three hours. Yeah. Um, it's still dark. He he did have his watch. He figured out at this point it was now uh, four twenty-five in the morning. Yep. And he estimates that he's been dragged along for about three hours. Again, this—he doesn't have a wristwatch. We're talking about pocket watches. Right, right. And he's been cramped inside of a, a sack, right? Like imagine yeah. yourself being toted around in a fucking potato sack this whole this whole time. Yes. Yeah. By a gigantic ape. He has his knife with him, but it's like underneath him, so he can't reach it. Right. Uh, He has his rifle with him, but like, it's right here. He's got a hold of it. Can't do anything with it, you know? He's stuck inside this sack, being toted along like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) Um, But anyway, he gets dumped out. Uh, he said it was still dark. He couldn't see what his captors looked like. Um, he's trying to get feeling back in his legs. But as uh, morning comes on, it starts to get lighter. He starts to see that there's uh, there's four individuals there. And uh, I think he, he realized further, earlier on in the process, while he was being huffed up the hill, that this must be those mountain oh, giants yeah. that the Indian was talking about that he said, I don't believe your bullshit stories. Get out of here, old <laughs> Indian. You know? Uh, he goes on to talk about all the equipment that he still had and what got left behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of that. So I'm trying to scroll through this here. What was fascinating to me, what kind of really stood out was um, while he's in the, I don't want to say the cave, the camp. I mean, it kind of was a cave. I mean, he was talking about, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't a kind of like he was surrounded. It was kind of like in a valley surrounded by mountains. Yeah. And I'm trying to. So that's like a that. very interesting detail that I, I want to, I have a point to make about that. We can bring this up later again. 
But like, I do believe that that's where not only like if you're going to find a Sasquatch, but if you're going to find a lot of large megafauna type animals that we think are extinct, I believe that that's where you find them is in the like the 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 places well, that we can't go, the places that most you know the the impenetrable places. Well, I wouldn't go to say it's you know extinct megafauna or anything. He was uh in a valley. Oh, I didn't say he saw other megafauna there. I'm just saying I think that my connection to that is I think that nowadays you can still find that in those type of environments. Yeah, I can't find the exact passage here where he uh, says that, but it he describes it as being uh, an 8 to 10 acre, almost enclosure, little valley, I guess. Yeah. Valley is probably the best word to describe it. Eight to ten acres, he estimates, uh, surrounded by high walls on all sides with just uh, a small opening in the front. He says the entrance was uh, eight feet wide at the bottom, 20 feet wide at the top. So, you know, shaped like a V. Yeah. And uh, the only reason he didn't run, you know, just fucking run away as soon as he could feel his legs again is the old man, as they called him. The uh, elderly male <laughs> Sasquatch uh, was always sitting near that entrance. Yep. And the, I think it was the next day that he actively tried to leave. Yeah. And it, no, it literally told him no. But by telling him no, it kept kept using the same phrase. Yes. Use the same word. Suka. Suka. I, I'm assuming, yeah, S-O-K-A is how John Green wrote it down. Right. Soka, Suka, whatever you want to say. But he kept saying the same thing, which he took to mean stay, sit down, whatever. Yeah, you shall not pass. You're not fucking leaving. That's what that means, right? Essentially. So he finds a spot inside this little valley. Uh, he says over by the western wall where there was a couple cypress trees. He found himself a spot. He said uh, he never felt beyond being you know, kidnapped from his campsite. Other than that, he never felt threatened by him. He never felt uh, like they were going to hurt him. Yeah, it was it, the his account of what the family was like is very similar to what a family is like. You know what I mean? Like the 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 dad was chilling, the mom was doing her thing, and the kids were playing. And he was talking about like the different games that the kids would play, and like the way that like I don't know the way that they would try to scoot themselves along with their legs crossed, with only using their arms. You know, like, see how far they could go. Yeah. It was just kids being kids. They were just playing games. Yeah, he's talking about the the young male would uh, grab his feet with his hands and rest on his butt and see how far he could hop on his butt. Yep, yep. Like across the floor. He, sometimes he can get like 20 feet like that. That's he what said he said. Climb up the, the wall, those sheer cliff walls like a billy goat. Yeah, they said all he needed was like if you could get one, their like their feet were so big, Ooh, bigfoot. But like all they needed was like one toe, <laughs> like a toe hold, and it was enough like strength that you it's pretty much like you're gripping with your hands, man. They were yeah. He said he had enough strength in his big toe to lift his body weight up yeah. the wall, just like that. That's. One That's thing that his, but one That's thing incredible. that the boy was interested in, that gave Albert a little bit of hope, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tease a little bit, was that he seemed to be very fascinated with Albert's snuff, his uh, yeah. his chewing tobacco. For those of you that don't yeah. know, we're not talking about we're talking about like the old dip, you know, Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, o- old school tobacco. Yeah, it says right here, the first day, not much happened. I had I had to eat my food cold. The young fellow was coming nearer to me and seemed curious about me. 
My one snuff box was empty, so I rolled it toward him. When he saw it coming, he sprang quick as a cat and grabbed it. He went over to his sister and showed it to her. They found out how to open and close it. They spent a long time playing with it. Then he trotted over to the old man and showed it to him, and they had a long chatter. As in, they talked about it. Yeah. Suka suka, they talked uh, about it. Said and that was the first day that he was there. The next morning, I made up my mind. I have to leave. I gotta get out of here. I'll shoot my way out if I have to. Um, he couldn't stay. Uh, he only had so much food. Yada yada. Him justifying why the fuck he's gotta leave. I, I you need. You had justification to leave the second they picked you up in the head. For sure. Uh, but right? you know, I don't Somebody mean, I don't mean, I want to interject. Out of my sleeping bag, I'm shooting yeah. the first person coming near me. For sure. Get out of here. For sure. But you know why I think he didn't? And he said in the in the thing, he was afraid that he was like, you know, honestly, I don't even know if like, what do you have? Like a, uh, what kind of gun did he have again? He had a 30 30. 30 30. He said he was afraid that it wouldn't. It might bounce off the thing. It might just piss off the, you know, might just piss off the Sasquatch and not hit him. But I think also, I think that he was starting to see them as a family. And I think that he didn't want to shoot the kids. I'm going to be honest. I think that I think that that was one of the reasons why he didn't just start. Look, I'm blasting my way out of here. I think you're absolutely right by the end of it. Maybe not. You know, uh, sure, sure, the, sure. Maybe not the at second the, day, the second where day. Where we're at here, like when he, because that's where we're at right now. Day two, the next morning, he says, "Yeah, he's like I, I got, I can't stay here. I gotta get out of here." But he, that's not what happens. He ends up staying here for six days. Yeah, six days. This goes on. So like day two, he's like, "I gotta get out of here," but that doesn't go so well. Yeah. By, you know, day three or four, absolutely. I think you're right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got to get there. Uh, so the next morning, he decides he he needs to leave. And this is when he, he packs his stuff. He makes his way for the entrance. And the old man, uh, Papa Bear Sasquatch. I like that you call. I was thinking the bears, the bear. bears too. <laughs> call yeah, Papa right. Bear. Papa Bear. <laughs> Osman always calls them the old man, the yeah. old lady, and the young, the young fella, and the young girl. Right. Very nineteen twenties way of talking. Always describes them as a family. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they were to him. Because remember from the beginning, he didn't describe them as wild animals. He described them as people right the and the indian described them to him as people right so i mean you start shooting people i mean i'm sorry even in 1924 you're on the hook for murder for sure are you not yeah you know, that's a thing uh, yes it is yeah murder was not legal in the 20s yeah no not at all not for a long time for sure so anyway, he next day he's packs his bag, everything he's got left. He's trying to leave, and that's when the old man is suka suka. Yeah, like it wasn't physically confrontation, but he was like, he didn't say that he was physically pushing him back, but he was motioning toward him. Yeah, no, go away, go back, back, suka suka is what he was telling him. Uh, so well, fuck, I guess I'm not leaving. Right. So he ends up spending six fucking days in this little valley with these things. I mean, that's a long that's a, time. I was about to say, man. that's a long time, man. Especially with limited yeah. rations. That is, that's right. such now, a long time. He goes into it, in the beginning of his story, you, you find out he, he plans on being out there for three weeks. Right, so... You know, he's prepared. For, he says he, his pack weighed 80 pounds right. when he left. I mean, that as an Army guy that knows something about heavy packs, 80 pounds is a heavy For sure. Pack, man. For That's sure. That's no joke. 
that that's that's a lot. And then only, I mean, I wonder how much of that was stolen, you know, within the first couple nights of him, uh, you know, before he discovered that it was, you know, Harry and the Hendersons that were stealing all of his stuff. Well, it seems like not much. You know, he said there was a half a a pound of prunes and his pancake mix was missing, you know. Anyway, he goes on to describe the whole family. Uh, The old lady was meek, uh, was a meek old thing. He talked about her. She walked with goose, goose steps, with wide hips, right? Uh, the youngins were always bouncing all over the place. Um, uh, he estimates uh, their ages, yeah. right? Which is obviously a pure guesstimation. He estimates the young male was about anywhere between 11 to 18 years old. Uh, weighed about 300 pounds. Uh, the hair on their heads were about six inches long. The hair on their bodies was shorter. Um, they had hair everywhere except for the palm of their hand, the bottom of their feet, and their eyelids, and above their nose, right? Uh, he never saw their ears at all because they were covered in hair. Uh, he said that their their feet were padded like a dog's paw. Yeah. Uh, like these are, and again, this is 1924. This is long before the Patterson Gimlin film, which was in the late 60s. Uh, like Bigfoot was not Sasquatch was not part of common parlance. That's right, would, right, right, right. In these days, it's just an old Indian story. Yeah. Right? Other than a handful of, you know, mountain man tales. Absolutely. Like, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't part of common culture at all. And all of these details that he's laying out would only be later confirmed in later Bigfoot stories to come, you know, 50 years later. Sure is. All the way down to the chattering, the talking, the the fact that they were talking back and forth in this language. That comes out in uh, the Sierra Sounds. We actually have recordings of, which I'm sure we'll get into here in in a few episodes. Absolutely. So I really, I I don't want to hurry us along, but I want, I'm I'm really interested to tell the, uh, to tell our listening audience at what point in time he was like, look, I'm getting out of here. It's happening. I got six shells. I'm going. We're going. He makes that. He he wakes up in the morning, makes himself a really strong cup of coffee. But what I want to I want to interject one thing is that he he made note that he when the when the the old man was interested in his snuff, he was trying to figure out a way to give him more because he's like if if I give him. If I can get him to eat this, maybe I'll kill him. Maybe it'll poison him. Maybe I can make my escape then. So then in the morning, when he makes himself a really strong cup of coffee, the oh, the aroma, I don't care who you are, and this proves it. This should, this should have been a Folgers commercial. But that, that even brought the Sasquatch family kind of to his presence. Yeah, that's a Folgers commercial all day. Isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Black Rifle Coffee needs to get get on this like I'm, now. I'm telling you, man. But um, it, and then uh, yeah, so you want to you want to take it over from there? Yeah, so he's uh he goes to make his escape. Yeah, I got my coffee. It was a strong one. Yada yada yada. Uh, yada yada was the brand name. Just so you guys know, we're just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Trademarked. Um, what do you at some point in the story here, which I'm not finding, you know, as I scroll through, he uh, he had recounted in his head a story of how he got uh, somebody had gotten a bull, you know, cowboys, right, bulls, yeah, to stop their attack by he just happened to have a can of snuff on him. Blew it into his in the bull's eyes and got the bull to fucking run away. So that was his plan. 
Now, I've heard dozens of other stories and other podcasts that say that, no, he wanted him to eat this stuff. No, 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 no. Not according to his own account. According to his own account, he was hoping to find a way to get Papa Sasquatch to hold this thing up so that he could blow it into his face huh. and run, make his fucking break for it. That's what that's what his plan was. What ended up happening is he ends up after his breakfast, he makes some coffee, and at this point, now six days later, Big Bigfoot and little little boy Bigfoot are sitting just ten feet away from him, hanging out with him, and he uh, he takes his snuff and puts it in his lip just like he always does. And this time they're interested. He hands it over. This time, he, he's expecting Big Papa Bigfoot to take a pinch, just like he did. Instead, he doesn't do that. He takes the whole tan and dumps it in his mouth and just eats the whole thing. An entire can of snuff. Now, have you ever had a, a dip in your mouth before? I have, yep. You, you swallow? You don't. And, I, and to be honest with you, you don't put dip in your mouth at all. It's disgusting and it's terrible. Um, it's horrible, it, kids. It, it's really it. bad. It's really bad. bad it's not even it. satisfying. I'm just going to be honest. It's not even satisfying. But That's true, too. It's not. But, <laughs> just being it honest, even it, it, it does nothing crazy. for me. But if you really want to get <laughs> – all right, let me tell you a story. Sorry, Mom, if you ever hear this. So my mom at one point when I was growing up, right – I hated school. I hated school so much. I'd do anything I could possibly do to get out of school. So my mom and my, my, my parents were super straight edge. They didn't do anything. But my mom had bought some chewing tobacco because she had heard that if you mix it with soil, it's good for plants, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I knew where she kept it. And I knew that like, and my parents were hip to my stuff, man. I was just like, I think I was a junior high or something, but they were hip to my stuff. Then if they didn't see if they didn't see me getting sick, I wasn't staying home. So I knew that there was a story that if you took it and you swallowed it, you're gonna get real sick. So I, I, I watched the sandlot. You know what I mean? I remember seeing the sandlot when they all had the chewing tobacco and they all were throwing up. But um yeah, so I chewed it up, swallowed it, and I barfed my brains out. So I got I gotta stay home from school that day, but I do know that I, I only took a very, very small bit. I definitely did not down any <laughs> you know. I, I I don't know anybody that's ever taken their first dip, put it in their lip, and you know, didn't know what they were doing. You end up swallowing. Oh, hundred percent. Up... Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, oh God, that hurts. Oh, yep. Good. Super unpleasant. Yeah, nasty, man. Yes. It's not good for you. So anyway, Papa Bigfoot does exactly that. Just takes that whole kit. And, and I'm not talking a dip can like we're talking about today. We're talking about a night. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely not the same size can, as what we have now. Right? Yeah. We're talking about a kit. Mm-hmm. A Popeye Papa spinach can. Slams the whole thing. After a couple minutes, he sees his. Yeah, he, he sees his eyes rolling back in his head. At this point, Osman's talking about he was making coffee, right? His coffee had gotten cold at this point. Papa Sasquatch grabs his cup of coffee, yeah. right? This is a slapstick story, right? <laughs> Picks up his coffee and downs it with the grounds and all, right? Which obviously did not help his stomach in any way. <laughs> right? So now he's laying on the ground, squealing like a pig, rolling around, ends up running for the spring down at the other end of this little valley they're in, trying to get some water. Because that obviously wasn't water. Right. So now Oscar's like, now's my chance. Yeah. Now I'm going to make a break for it. Throws all the shit he's got left into his bag and starts running for that entrance in the other direction. The little one goes running over to Mama Sasquatch. Jibber, jibber, yabba, yabba, jawa, jawa speak, right? Yeah. And then 
Mama comes tearing after him as he's running for the door. Fuck me, man. He gets out. He turns around. He's, he still has his rifle. He's had his rifle for the last six days. Yeah. Right? Turns around. <laughs> fires a shot above her head, which made her fucking turn right yeah. the fuck around. Nope. And he runs. He says he made like three miles in record time that world record three mile pace. I bet he and did. I'll bet yeah, he did. I bet that. I bet if there's I any part of that story that, that he is not day. exaggerating, it's how fast he ran away from that camp. Yeah. And he ends up spending another two days, I think, before he ends up he trying to head west toward the coast. Yeah. And ends up finding a logging operation who has, you know, uh, a medic and a camp cook. They can get him some food right. and some medical attention, and they ship him back down to Vancouver. Never, ever yeah, goes back. <laughs> never and, goes and back. never went prospecting again, he says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So I, I want to know. I'm curious. In the comments... I don't care how you guys get us the answers, but I'm I'm always we're always curious to know what your thoughts are. What do you think Bigfoot is? Do you think that that's what he was? Do you think that it's a true story? Do you think that he was kidnapped by a Bigfoot family? Do you think it's some lost tribe of some ancient civilization that has died out? What do you think? I, I mean, I'm in, I'm inclined to believe him. I want to believe him. I really do. I want to believe him. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. What does everybody think? Absolutely. What do you think happened to Albert Osman on that day? That's the real question. I don't care what you think about Bigfoot in general. Sure. Bigfoot stories in general. What happened to Albert Osman on that day, that week? Yeah. Right? In 1924. Was he kidnapped by grizzly bears? Right. Was he kidnapped by Sasquatches? Did he Was eat a bad he... mushroom? Did he make up the entire story? You never know. Bruce, what do you think? I, like I said, I want to believe you know him. No. I, I truly no, do. Stop. I'm going first. I'm going first. <laughs> We're not playing that game this time. I'm going first. I believe him. Go ahead. I believe the man. I think there may be some aspects that have been... Because, all right, he told this story publicly some 20-some-odd, maybe even 30 years later, before he even came public with this story. Right? Right. There's a big gap in between. I don't necessarily... A lot of people will say, well, yeah, that's because he made it up. I don't think so. There's way too many details in the story. So many details that we glossed over. It oh, yeah. He talked about making a fire with story the labels from his cans. <clears throat> Anybody who wants to think differently, please go to the show notes. You can read his entire account of this event. Yeah. Because we barely touched on it, honestly. The details in the story. And there will, there will also be other people who say so many details is indication of him, his story, his falsification. Because you don't tell those kind of details unless you're making up a story. I don't think that's necessarily true here. I don't know. That is a thing. That is a thing. I don't think that's the case here. They're also I, I that's debatable because there's people account. who are just detail oriented. You know what I mean? I think I think there are perhaps elements of this that have been embellished, elements that may have been confused with other trips, as far as when he's talking about going over this ridge, over that ridge, and then I saw that mountain and I recognized that mountain. Some of those finer details may be mixed up with some other stories that he's telling 30 years later. Sure. 
right? Sure. Because this is a fucking adventurer. He's a 1920s mountain man, right? Yeah. This guy has been all over doing all kinds of different things. But I think he was actually snatched up from his campsite by uh, a Bigfoot and dragged back to another campsite of Bigfoots and dumped out. Like it literally says in the story that when he spilled out of his sleeping bag, that he rolled out and Mama Bigfoot's sitting there fucking ranting and raving like, what the fuck did you bring home this time? <laughs> like, right. it's so fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, it's, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got to be I honest, believe man. I, 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 I want to believe him, I want to believe him. I do. I want to believe it. Just like that plaque says right next to you, I want to believe it. But this, this guy right here? That's right. Get yours now, folks. Order now. But uh, look at the shine on that thing. Damn, that's got a good shine. That's that's like a Star Trek level lens flare. (laughs) No, that was good. No, that was really good. (laughs) So let me. uh, All right. So you know what? Like I said, I want to believe it too. I don't have any reason not to believe it. I want to believe it. Now let me. uh, I want to. I want to share something with our listeners. Albert Osman on that. What's that? On that week. That what do you think happened to Albert? Oh, I know. I believe week? him. I want to believe that that happened. I honestly like. I, I, I wasn't there, um, but I want to believe that that's exactly what happened. That he got kidnapped by, uh, by a Sasquatch family and lived with them for a week and has more in depth knowledge as to how they live than anyone else does. That's what I think. He literally in this story. If you guys. Anybody cares to go back and go through the show notes to read what he actually has to say about it. He goes on to talk about how they have blankets that they made out of cedar bark and dry moss packed together. Like the details in this story are incredible. Yes, they are. I would love to go through them all, but there wouldn't be any time to actually talk about it. So we are running out of time, but one thing I want to interject before we do, folks, it's coming up in the next few weeks, the next month or so, um, and we're going to be filming the whole thing. You guys are going to see everything that we go through, everything that we do, but this show, we are going on location, and we are going Bigfoot hunting, okay? Okay. So stay tuned for that episode, that string of episodes, that that combination, however we decide to put it out. But folks, stay tuned, and you'll see us in a whole new light. We'll be bringing the cameras along. You'll see us not just sitting on our couches. You're going to see us out in the wilderness, and you think we fight now. You just wait until we're we're camping together. So so stay tuned, folks. Shit. <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of guests. Bomb, we have a few man. guests that are, uh, are going to be joining us on this camping trip, on this Bigfoot hunting expedition. So please, I encourage you to uh, to stay tuned, to subscribe, to share, man. Uh, anything you do helps us out, man. And to, uh, honestly, all of you, any of you that listened all the way to the end, I know that Don loves you. I love you. Thank you. We're going to go on this Bigfoot expedition here. What are we talking about? Uh, early May? Early May, so I think we decided, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to get a handful of episodes in between here and now, us talking about it. Absolutely. But we're going to – it's going to be a good time. We're going to record it all. Hopefully we get some badass evidence. That's the plan. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath. Because you could go on a hundred and you can go on a thousand Bigfoot expeditions and not come back with anything. Oh, we're so, coming back with a great story and we're going to find something. I'm not I hope we do. But right after that, we're going to come out of that and we'll be at our first Bigfoot conference. That's right. Yeah. If you guys want to actually meet us, see us. Fuck yeah. Dude, come on down. We'll give you all the details when it gets closer. But that'll be our very first live appearance 
anyone from the public wants to come and meet us, I doubt you do. I wouldn't want to meet me, but I have to. So if you guys want to as well and share in our misery, you're welcome to. Amen, brother. Amen. Anything you want to add before we sign off and let these people get back to their life? Uh, not quite yet. Well, uh, let's say next week we're going to release all the details on that, on where we're going to be, the conference and all that. Well, uh, let's get some shit ironed out before we, uh, you know, put that out there entirely. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, Yeah, that's, that's the plan folks. So hopefully we'll have a Bigfoot expedition for you and, uh, a conference to boot. That will uh, at least be a. We're not hosting a conference, but we'll be a part. Oh yeah, no. we'll be there. So, all right, guys, like, hit the li- smash that like button, smash subscribe, it. comment, leave a review. You can find us where everywhere: Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, iTunes, Castbox. You name it. You can find a podcast. You can find us. And even if you hate us, leave a review and tell us that you hate us. I welcome it. We appreciate it. Doesn't matter. Tell me how much you, tell me everything that I got wrong. Please. Tell me how Albert Osman was kidnapped by a clan of hungry grizzly bears. That's where the Berenstain Bears came from. I told you. Tell me how he made the whole story up. Please. Tell me how he was actually abducted by a clan of demons. <laughs> I'll get on that. You one. know, <laughs> tell me. But yeah, give me some. Give me something else to work with, other than the fact that he was abducted by a bunch of Sasquatches. Because that's the only thing I have to go on right that's now, it. and I fucking believe him. It's the only thing that makes the most sense. If you do, you don't. I don't care. Like, comment, subscribe. Put it out there. Absolutely. Let me know. I want to hear about it. Bruce, you got anything else? All right. From all of us over here in the swamp, we love you, and we'll see you next time, okay? Thank you so much for listening, and we love you. Love each other. Stick it from the swamp, guys.